I hope that image stays with you a while. It wasn't in English, but I hope it didn't need any translation, especially on Pentecost Sunday, right? I hope you could feel the glory of the Lord in what just happened there. Uh, I, I know it was probably, for the most part, staged. But I think most of us, when it comes to sharing a witness with someone else or being a witness in the world, we, we feel initially like that lone cellist in the middle of a grand bazaar. Dare we play our instrument? Dare we open our mouths? Dare we turn the conversation towards something spiritual? Right? Anybody identify with that? That, that feeling of being out there all alone? Uh, but the truth of the matter is, whenever we share our witness with someone else about Jesus, the truth of the matter is, the Spirit is already loose in the world, is already working in people's lives, has already uh, put together instrument after instrument after instrument, and we find, if we'll just find our voice, that we're really a part of a grand orchestra of grace trying to awaken a heart to praise. Yeah? I, I, I don't know how many times I, I've, I've felt that, oh my gosh, is this one of those moments I bring it up? And, and, and then only to find that God had already been working in that heart, just readying that moment for that conversation. Uh, and I think, I think if we like that little girl, even though our thoughts and our conversation might be simple if we'll just risk singing the song playing the tune of christ right that we'll discover that we're not alone that there is a whole orchestra a symphony if you will of grace that we're just playing one little part in right and we we, we can play along with all of our uh goofs and and uh off-tone notes. You know why? Because the symphony of grace is so great <laughs> that we're, we get to bring the kazoo and just join. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 wish, I wish our hearts could be transformed to, to see the reality uh, that, that this whole world is really God's way of teaching the world His tune. And he sings it to our hearts over and over again. And the great discovery, isn't it, once we become Christians, that other people have been hearing the same tune. That's one of the great recognitions of coming to faith. That, oh my gosh, what God's been doing in my heart, he didn't just do in my heart. He did in all these, these other people know this same Lord as much as I do, if not more than I do. Oh my gosh. God's in our midst. Right? We thought we were just taking a, a roll, stroll through the square. And by gosh, God's up to something. Who knew? Who knew? I, I, I want us this morning to celebrate the fact that we're a part of a flash mob symphony of God's grace. And, and, and when, when, when we find our voice to witness, that we're never alone. We're always singing with a whole in, uh, orchestra. Uh, and, and that's pretty much what happened. That's pretty much what Philip found as he witnessed to the Ethiopian. Uh, it's a story that's in Acts chapter 8, 
verses 25 through 40. But at the heart of that story is this encounter. The Philippian, I'm Philippian, the Ethiopian eunuch turns to Philip, uh, or Philip comes alongside his chariot, and as Philip's kind of jogging along, you know, you see those guys carrying the big poles and the dignitary, the the Ethiopian eunuch was also uh, the treasurer of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. So he probably had an old entourage with him, you know. And they're on this road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. He's been in Jerusalem, went there to worship, and has come away from worship with this scroll of Isaiah. And he just happens to be turned in Isaiah to chapter 53. Oh my gosh. We'll read it later. You'll understand, right? The symphony's playing here. A cellist just showed up, and, and, and here's the violin, you know, the, the, you kidding me? Isaiah 53, and, and, and uh, spirit, or, or the angel has told Philip, he's been in Samaria, go down to this road, and Philip goes down to that road, and when he gets to the road, people are passing by on the road, and the spirit says, join that caravan, jump alongside that chariot, you know, so here's Philip. Just kind of walking along, wondering, okay, Lord, anything else? Do I bring up anything to this guy? I wonder who's in there behind the veils, you know? And I guess there's a lot of traffic on this road. Because initially, the the Ethiopian eunuch doesn't say anything to a a guy just kind of in journey with him. But, But then Philip overhears from inside what he's reading. Apparently, he was reading it out loud from Isaiah 53, and all of a sudden, the door opens. And it says that Philip opened his mouth, right? He he says, do you understand what you're reading? How's that for a deep, theological, complicated insight as to how to start a spiritual conversation? Do you think that was hard? He's reading Isaiah. He overhears him reading it, and Philip... Our example of witnessing today doesn't pull anything out of witnessing class 101. He's just, he just does what comes natural. He says, hey, you understand what you're reading in there? And this is his response. Well, how can I unless I have someone to guide me? How can I unless I have someone to guide me? I, I'm here to say to, to us this morning that if we're willing to witness to seekers, that's, what's we're, that's what we're called to do, is to be a guide for a moment in their journey towards Christ. To jump in with what are, is already going on and help them take the next steps of understanding in their journey. So th- this morning I want to talk to you over, over the next four weeks of different kinds of people we might approach with the gospel. Today I, I'm going to speak to you about how it is that we might be a witness and an effective witness with someone who already has a heart inclined both to the message and to the messengers of Jesus. They're seekers. They're close. Uh, They only need a little farther in their journey, and they will come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior as well. They're seekers, right? But that doesn't mean they've always been seekers. See, before they were seekers, they were probably just spectators, Spectators who said, well, you know, the faith is good for you, and I see it blesses you, and that's your thing. God bless you. You go do your thing. But it doesn't have any relevance for them. You know, they were just, just, but but they're not spectators anymore. This Ethiopian eunuch has a real interest in what this means, you know. 
He's already been to worship. You don't have to get this guy to church. He may already be coming. He's got a curiosity of what, all, what is this about? There must be something more in this life. I'm wondering if this is it. And he's, he's got the spiritual munchies. You know what I mean? When you go to the fridge and you open up the fridge, especially now that Cheryl's gone vegetarian on me, and you have to look a long time. <laughs> You've done that, right? You've opened up the door and you go, hmm. Um, and you don't know. Salty, sweet. Cool, heated up. You know what I mean? You open up the. You got the munchies, right? And, and that's how so often it is with spiritual seekers. They're hungry for something. They just don't know what it is yet. And, and, and that's why our witnessing to them at that point in their journey is so helpful. Want something salty? Want something sweet? Want something that truly satisfies your soul? Want something that could really revolutionize your marriage? Want something that would, that would give you the, the, the wisdom and, and the desire to be a great parent to your kids? What are you hungry for? See, When we're witnessing to someone who's a seeker, we have to come alongside them and listen. But let me first of all just start with what makes a seeker a seeker? First of all, they're positively inclined both to the message of Christ and to the messengers of Christ, those of us who would be witnessing, they seem warm and receptive and, and eager to learn and curious about why we do what we do and how things are the way they are in and, and, and our lives. And uh, So they're engaged in exploration already. The Ethiopian eunuch had already gone to Jerusalem uh, to, um, to worship, and that was probably a very frustrating experience. Because as an Ethiopian foreigner and as a eunuch, mutilated body, he would have not have been allowed close to the temple. So he comes from Ethiopia. Translation, Timbuktu. This guy's come from about as far away as you could come from to worship, and he doesn't hardly get beyond the doors, see? But he's so hungry for something... I don't know if he had this book of Isaiah and that's what got him there, or if he, as he was going away, since he was the treasurer of a queen, he had the funds to buy one of those expensive scrolls and read it on his way home. But, but this guy's already come to worship, and he's already doing reading on his own, right? Before, uh, before Philip ever comes across him. So he's engaged in exploration. He, he's, he's hungry to understand. Let me, let me read the whole passage, and we'll just point out these things. Now, if, if you turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 8, that's where this story is. And though we're going to start reading in verse 25, the, the framework for what happens here really starts in chapter 8, verse 4. Let me just read that verse. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Why were people, why were believers being scattered from Jerusalem? Well, Stephen had just gotten killed, and a guy named Saul, incidentally, had held his cloaks. Now, Saul would not be a seeker. Saul, at that point, is probably a cynic, right? The journey's just starting for Saul, but, but it's, it, it's well progressed, I think, in this journey towards Christ with, with this Ethiopian. And 
they had scattered because of the persecution. So th- this is what happens when you, when you persecute Christians. It's happened this way in the world over and over again. Persecution comes down on the Christians, and they're like a bunch of ants. They just <laughs> scatter and repopulate other places. You know, it's like, it's like trying to kill dandelions by blowing on them. You know, it just said it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, they just went scattering their faith. And the way it's actually talked, I love the way it's, it's mentioned here. It, it says in some translations, they went about preaching the gospel. They were scattered, proclaiming the gospel. But the word's pretty generic. It's euangelion own or something like that. Uh, it, it, it's evangelizing. Uh, one, one teacher I had in, in, in seminary said, the best translation here is it scattered them and they went gossiping the gospel. Okay? So when you hear proclaiming the word, the image that needs to come to mind is not some guy in a gathered group like this up in front preaching. That's what we usually think of when we hear, they went about preaching the word. Right? But no, 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 no. Th- th- this is... This is uh, over breakfast that morning. This is on the way to market. This is, this is these kinds of, co- just gossiping the gospel. Wherever they were going, that's the picture. And, and Philip, not Philip the apostle, but Philip the deacon, uh, a guy who's new to the faith himself, uh, is the one who is being, once they're in Samaria a while, uh, the, the, the disciples, after a great uh, time in, in Samaria, where healings and, and joy and all this kind of stuff broke out. Now the apostles are on their way back from Samaria. They're having received the Holy Spirit. It's a Pentecost kind of, of Samaria. They, they, they go back to Jerusalem. And on the apostles' way back to Jerusalem, Philip, who you'd think would be going back with them, is spoken to by an angel. And this is, this is what he says. And so, when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel, gossiping the gospel, to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay? They're on their way to Tulsa from Skyatuk, And the angel says... Get down to Oak Mulgee, Philip. Okay, it's that kind of thing, geographically. And he arose and went, and behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, sitting in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join him. And when Philip had run up, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall relate his generation? And his life is removed from the earth. 
And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Now, if you're a witness, this is T-ball. Right? Isaiah 53 is just, who is this? This is, this is, that's just one portion of Isaiah 53. If this was what he was reading, this is what he read that day. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely his griefs he himself bore. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. And we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter. And there we find those passages. His grave was assigned to be with wicked men, two thieves on each side. Yet with a rich man in his death, he was in the tomb of rich uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Although he has done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands as a result of the anguish of his soul. And he will see it and be satisfied. God will see it. And his knowledge of the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. And he will bear their iniquities. What does that mean? What does that mean? Justify the many. Holy cow. A junior high kid could lead this guy to Christ. You know, if he's reading Isaiah 53, doesn't every phrase of that just scream Jesus? Do you hear the, 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 the bassoon just added? He's reading Isaiah 53. Are you kidding me? And then it goes on. He, 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 well, let me, let me just finish it. It's such a good story. Uh, so that's Isaiah 53. Let's pick back up. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this, this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water! What prevents me from being baptized? Apparently he had come to understand what it meant that by his, uh, his death, the many were justified. He wanted some of that. Well, what keeps me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch. And he baptized him. Wow, what an incredible story. I love that story. So he's, he's engaged in exploration. He's hungry to understand, how can I, unless someone guides me? He's open to guidance. He invites him to come alongside, right? 
A seeker is someone who, who was wanting to help and, and welcoming that help. And then finally, seekers are always alert to their opportunity to take the next step. You know, if, if I give an altar call at the end of a service and there are cynics and skeptics in the crowd, chances are they're going to be put off by it. They won't be drawn to Christ because they have an opportunity to come forward. They might even push away. But a seeker is looking for the altar call that's for them. Look, water. What keeps me from getting wet? What, what keeps me from receiving all this you've been talking about right now, right here? There's the water. Now, here's another piece of the symphony. They're on a road from Jerusalem to Gaza through a desert. Through a desert. Look, there's water. Look, there's water. Are you kidding me? Philip isn't acting alone here. There's a whole symphony. An angel has prompted him. He happens to get there at just the right time for that chariot to be passing. He runs alongside, and lo and behold, God opens up a conversation. The guy just happens to be reading (laughs) Isaiah 50. He couldn't get into worship, and he left with a scroll. He could have walked away with so many scrolls of the Old Testament. You know, they had no New Testament then. Just Old Testament scrolls. And he picks out the scroll with the most signature passage proclaiming the life of Christ of any chapter in all of the Old Testament. And he just happens to be reading that when Philip comes running alongside. Philip isn't acting alone. We never act alone. When we're partners with God in drawing someone else to himself. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me calls them. And he's just been talking to the Jews who have a hard time with Jesus being the, li- the bread of life that comes down out of heaven, they turn to one another and say, wait, 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 wait. He's saying he's the bread of life that comes down out of heaven? How is this? We, we know his mother Mary and his father Joseph. How is it then that he comes down out of heaven? And Jesus says, oh, you guys, you guys, you're such cynics. Before you get stuck in your cynicism, just, just this is Buskirk paraphrase, but, th- but this is what Jesus basically said. No one comes to the Father. That's where he says it. Uh, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draw the Father who sent me draws them to me. You see, there's more than one hand in this world. When you show up as the agent of God, God is already there, right? Especially with seekers, God's already been at work. He, he's already been. He's already given the guy the scroll. This guy already has a Bible, right? He's already been reading it for God's sake. He happens to be reading it when you sit down next to him waiting for the plane. Seeker. Seeker alert. Are you with me? And and chances are, if, if you know a seeker, what they long for is a guide to explain what it is that they're discovering. Not just to... Tell them your opinions, though that'll be helpful, but also to get alongside them and to show them. He joined the chariot, and they were reading the scriptures together. Here's what guides do that that will help us. This is what Philip does in this. If we can go on to the next slide. This this is what uh, Philip does. That's Philip. Uh, Guides. First of all, they listen to the Spirit. 
Now, as you sit down next to that guy and uh, waiting for the plane, and he's op- he's reading his Bible, and he's got this furrowed brow as he reads it, like, what the heck does this mean? As as you sit next to him, if 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 you're if you're listening to the Spirit, ask God. You want me to talk to this guy? I, I'm noticing that he's got his Bible open. Do do you want me to talk to this guy? Not only that, he's mumbling it out loud. You know what he's reading. You understand what you're reading? That's what's happening here. Philip is listening to the Spirit, being willing to be prompted by the Spirit. You don't have to walk up and be a full-bore witness to everyone that you cross paths with. But occasionally in life, you'll sit down next to that person. You'll be sharing that ride. You'll be on the same road. You'll be in the same locker room. You'll be uh, a roommate at the same college, right? And we always see those things as just random. <laughs> Not if God's loose in the world. Who you get as a roommate next year may be God's choice, either for you or for them and for his purposes. If, if you'll have your eyes open to it, your ears attuned to it, if you'll be listening and watching, I, I think there's very few things that are just simply random in this world. I think God is in the background. You see, God not only draws people to himself, he draws people to people. He wants us rubbing elbows with, with others so that we can give away uh, our own testimony of who Christ is, that they may come to know him as well. So good guides are those who listen to the Spirit. And, and not only that, uh, they... they they listen uh, to people. And, and by that, I, I don't mean just listen to what they say, but they listen more deeply. You do this all the time. How, how many of you have ever had one of those conversations where you're introduced to somebody for the first time and, 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 and you're tuned in to who they are and you're picking up where they're from and who you might know in common and what it is that they do and all that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, you're a sponge. You're just taking it all in. And, and then they turn to walk away and you can't remember their name. Anybody else? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. You, you heard their name, but, but you in that moment were listening at a different level. You weren't listening for just what their name was. You were listening for who they were, Right? And, and it's that kind of listening that the Spirit uses, right? Where, where you're listening beyond just what's being said. You, you, you see hints of a struggle. You see a, a downcast countenance. What does that mean? Or, or you see joy. What are they excited about? But you're paying attention to more than just the stats, right? You're, you're listening to a life. And I think that's the kind of sensitivity that Philip had. Otherwise, this guy would have just been mumbling in a nearby chariot as he himself was walking down this road to Gaza. But good guides for seekers listen to the Spirit, have an ear open to the Spirit, and we also listen very deeply to another person's life. It says here of Philip, uh, I love 
the verbs that are used here. Look at verse 35. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he shared Jesus with him. He preached Jesus to him, is what my scriptures actually say. But that word there for preached is, again, that euangelion word. That's the evangelized. He shared the good news about Jesus. Uh, he didn't pull over, find a pulpit, and have him sit down in a pew. That's, that's not what's going on here. This is just a conversation. Philip opened his mouth. I, I find that to be just an interesting phrase, don't you? Well, of course he opened his mouth. He was speaking. Opened his mouth. What is that about? I, th- I, th- I think there's times where we don't know where this conversation's going. We don't even know if this conversation's going. But unless we open our mouths and let God put something in there, it's never going to start. Right? So, some of us are really good at listening to the Spirit and listening to other people's lives. But that opening of our mouth and giving our mouth to God for His purposes is sometimes a pretty scary thing to do. Philip opened his mouth, and it seems that he just opened his mouth, and God started filling it. And beginning from this scripture, where do you begin? Where do you begin? I I think you always begin with the seeker wherever they are in their own questions. Now, this particular seeker was already reading the scriptures. So, Philip started right where he was, you know. Other seekers may not start there. They, they're spiritual munchies again. I don't know what I'm looking for. So I go to church and I hear some church language. And the next time I'm with that Christian friend that I think might actually give me some answers to my questions, I say, so, do you believe in evolution? Seeker heart, I, I don't know what question to ask. But a guide will discern, is he really asking me about evolution? Now, you always start with what they're asking. Maybe you've got some insights on the whole evolution thing or the way different people speak of it. You, you, you pay attention to where they start. You try to answer their questions. But just the question that's being asked is not the full question mark. Right? Does that make sense? Uh, so from that scripture, that's where he began. We begin where they are. Hey, so what do you think of crystals? Now, if you're, if you're a Christian of many years, and you've come to have a derision for the occult, right? You might respond in that moment, crystals, don't talk about crystals around me. Are you kidding, crystals? No crystals, not in here, sister. You know, and it's done. Where's that conversation going to go, right? This is a seeker. They don't know. They don't know. We can't afford to get offended by their questions. You know, sometimes seekers ask questions that almost seem uh, insulting. Why do y'all eat that juice and bread thing? As if I've got to defend that now, you know? Seekers' questions are not always very polished. But, But if we'll have a heart... To listen deeply to them and start with them where they are in that conversation. That conversation can go in wonderful directions.
Next, he, he nurtured this trusting of Jesus with his conversation. And that's where we always have to go. From whatever we're talking about, this, this is the central point we always have to get to with our friends that are seeking. What do you think of Jesus? Remember that question. What do you think of Jesus? It's in talking about that that you grow towards the place that you might actually offer them the opportunity to receive. And we know how to do the ABC prayer. We can share about Jesus and say, are you ready yet? And if they are ready, we can help them cross the line of faith. But not only that, Philip initiated him. He, he actually went down into the waters with the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch. You know, I, th- I think sometimes with seekers, advice is not enough. Well, just go to church. No, they, they, they need somebody to take them. Somebody to sit there beside them and answer their questions as the service unfolds. What on earth was the pastor talking about there? Right? They sometimes walk away with more questions than when they came. This is something we walk alongside as a guide, right? And if we're willing to play that role, there's no telling who the Lord might bring across our paths. Let me close with this story. It's a college story for you guys back from college. He was actually a sophomore. My sister knew him. He was at Oklahoma City University. He, he was a jock and a party guy. He had, he'd grown up in the church, you know, and he, he was not, he, he believed in God, but he was a functional atheist. You know what I mean? He believed that there was a God, but God didn't really have any bearing or relevance in his life. And his sophomore year, he had been elected to some place of authority in his fraternity and uh, they had been partying way too much that semester, and the frat had gotten suspended. And it, w- it was in danger of being disbanded, I think, even. It, it, w- it was a critical moment. And so he, in a PR move, went to the president and said, Hey, hey, you know what? Uh, as, as the leader of the fraternity, I'm going to start a Bible study. And it, and it worked, you know. The only problem was he didn't have a Bible. But a symphony started playing. That Tuesday when he had committed to lead a Bible study for which he didn't even have a Bible, guess who was on campus? A Gideon giving away Bibles. It was the first little nuance that maybe something else is working here other than just me. And he took his little uh, New Testament. He didn't realize it was a New Testament, but he put the New Testament in his pocket, went that Tuesday night and says, okay, guys, I don't know where to begin. I don't know much about the Bible, but we've committed to this, and it may save our frat, so, so we're, we're just going to start reading the Bible. So everybody turned to the first book and the first page. Most of them turned to Genesis. He turned to Matthew. He just had a New Testament. He thought his Bible was broken. You know, what's wrong? This, you know, that, 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 that's how how out of touch they were with the journey that they were starting. Some of them would come to the Bible study drunk, didn't know any better. The prayers were, you know, God, help us not to uh, wreck our cars this week when we come home from the party drunk and uh, help our girlfriends not to get pregnant. And, you know, they didn't know that, but that's how they prayed. But God was starting a real journey with them. 
And as they started reading through the Bible, they had a few in their group that knew a little more than they did, and they became their guides, and the Bible started making sense. And as he was reading Ephesians 2, that this frat president realized that the grace of God was something that he had never received for himself, and he did. He did. He not only became a Christian, he became a minister of the gospel because he had never discovered something so real, something that so changes life, something that gives everything purpose, something that redeems far more than just a fraternity's reputation. Today, Craig Groeschel wins tens of thousands to the Lord. And it all started because a seeker found something on the road that he was traveling. A few other guys in a fraternity that were willing to be guides. I don't know what road you'll be going down as you leave this place. I don't know what road you're in if you're on a road to college or on a road in a career or, or on a road into family. I, I don't know what your roads are. You're maybe still getting that degree or, 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 or going for that next position. We're all going down different roads. And you know, I think there's a reason for that. It's not just our road. God, with his two hands from heaven, is drawing people together as they travel. He's matching up seekers with guides. I wonder if you might be one of those guides. Would you do something for me this week? Would you every morning wake up and say, God, I don't know if you've got anything for me today, but I'm available. If there's someone next to me for whom I can be a guide, will you point it out? And Lord, I, I don't even know what I'm going to say, but when that moment comes and, and you say it might be right, I'm, I'm going to open my mouth and trust you to fill it. I'm going to do what Philip did. And I'm going to trust you with the symphony. That conversation may not all, go all the way to a baptism. It may just be one of those investments. Paul said, I, I planted and another watered and another invested. And, and that's how sometimes it goes, right? But... Would you this week just ask the Spirit to sensitize you to those moments that He's brought someone along the road at your side and open your mouth. Open your mouth and just share a bit of your story, share a little bit of Jesus' story, and just trust God with the rest. You may have just been brought along the side of a seeker for kingdom purposes that will bear fruit both in this world and the next. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your symphony of grace. I thank you that you are loose in this world, drawing people to yourself right now. Lord, help us to play our part in that symphony. Help us to realize that this is our cue, that it's time to open our mouths, that it's time for us to contribute to the song of grace. Lord Jesus, go with us from this place by the power of your Spirit, directing our lives, that you, the life giver, might give yourself away through us. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Go with us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Let's stand and start singing the song right now.